Hello and welcome to The Reset, a mental health podcast without all the bollocks. I'm Sam Delaney. My guest this week is the former footballer Darren Blewett. Darren was a bright light of the West Ham Youth Academy in the noughties and he went on to captain the reserve team and later make the bench for the first team squad. West Ham was boyhood club and he was living the dream until he was released aged 22 and found himself suddenly in the wilderness. Darren found it difficult to cope with the rejection and started to let his demons spiral out of control. Over the next decade, he went into some really dark places. But today, he's healthy, happy and two years into recovery. His story is sad, it's dramatic, but ultimately, it's inspiring. He's an honest and entertaining talker and I really hope you enjoy listening to our chat. Darren, welcome to The Reset. Thanks, Sam. Thanks for having me on. Um, I've, I've enjoyed listening to some of your pods and uh, it's great to, to finally meet you and, and crack on, mate. Good. Thank you very much. Brilliant. Well, pleasure to have you on, Darren. Um, a, a really interesting, moving, inspirational story you've got to tell. Um, I, I guess the most interesting place to start for me is like, I remember as a big West Ham fan, your name, being mentioned a lot. It was very familiar to all of us at Upton Park in those days as as one of the names who we thought was coming through and that we'd soon see in the first team. You got very close to playing in West Ham's first team. Just tell us a little bit about that, the era and, and yeah. what your status was at the club. Okay, mate. Yeah. Um, so my background, I'm, I'm from East London. Um, I lived literally five minute walk from Upton Park. That's uh, where I'm brought up. Uh, grew up and yeah, I, I joined. I played Sunday league football, um, and then was spotted by West Ham. A lot of all, all the London clubs really at about age of ten, um, and play. Um, went I went along to dare I say it, Millwall, uh, Spurs, and and teams as such. Okay. And asked, and and as soon as I trained with West Ham at the age of ten, I, I signed straight away, and I was there to the age of twenty two. So I went for the process of uh, the youth team. Under, it was under 17s, under 19s then, and then in reserves. And then I got my professional contract. Um, and yeah, and then I was released after my two and a half year pro contract there. Um, my era was, was was a good era. I was, I was as you said, I, I, I didn't make a, an appearance, but I was, on a, I was on a bench a couple of times. I was in a lot of squads to so travel quite a lot. Um, we had, um, we was in the championship at the time, got promoted. And we had people like uh, Anton Ferdinand, Elliot Ward, uh, Rio Coca was the captain, uh, Marlon Harewood, Bobby Zamora, Jimmy Walker. Um, so a good group. Um, and I was stuck in, I loved it. Um, and and being around them um, was good. And we had an FA Cup when we got to the final. So I was part of that, um, which was an unbelievable experience. Um, but that was my era. Um, but I watched West Ham in the 90s when we were shit. So um, to be... Um, to be just be around around it, I think um, when I moved on with my life and got to where I got to, I think a lot of it overwhelmed me in the end, and, and I covered a lot of that up with um, with other issues and other other ways of dealing with it at the time um, because I felt that like it was my club. I, I, I'm, I'm a born, I was born and bred, and obviously Mark Noble was a year below me, so we grew up together. Um, but it was a great time. I loved. I loved it there. Of course, just being at your boy or club. What is the cliche? But it's what dreams are made of when you're a kid, you know. Um, so that was my era when I was there. So you were living a dream, and you're there for twelve years throughout all of your most sort of formative years, really. And and throughout that period, I mean, a lot of your contemporaries from when you were ten must have fallen by the wayside. But so for you to have got that far, 
you must have really had belief that this was happening and and you were going all the way because yeah, that's, that, 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 and throughout your sort of adolescence when those things are so important yeah um, most definitely most definitely and and why why do you think that age 22 it it eventually didn't work out and you left the club uh i think um I think opportunities become few and far between. I went on loan a few times and and I, I my disciplinary problems didn't help. So mm. on-field stuff, I was I was getting sent off a lot and bits and pieces. But I just don't think I was at that level either. So right. being realistic, I think I probably could have played league football, had a career in league football. Mm. Um, uh, but, but, but what got me there, I stuck with. So my aggression, the way I played, um, I was a captain at most of my age groups. So I thought something must be going right. I must be doing something right. Um, probably didn't have the best bit of guidance, uh, much guidance around me at the time, which probably would have helped. But saying that, I, it would have been hard to contain me at the time anyway. And and I think when we got to the last year of the contract, and I see it was quite clearly nothing was happening. The manager was Adam Pardew at the time, and he didn't really fancy me at the time. So I just, I probably took my foot off the pedal and, and my outside activities of football, which were prevalent at the time anyway, I was getting stuck into things I shouldn't have been. Um, probably took the forefront towards the end, definitely, um, and progressively got more and more as I, as I went on. But I think by the time I was twenty two, I think it was it was the right thing for me to get released and and I had to um, get into what I found was the real world uh, quite quickly. Which um, I don't know if you know. I mean, people that come out of that football that age, it's very rare. You normally get released at eighteen. Don't get your pro contract. A lot mm. of lads going to the league and nothing happens. Um, but at 22, um, I should have gone through the leagues really at least. But what I'd done that side when I got released probably dictated the rest of my, which was not so much a career. Um, and it was a lot of it was non-league in the end. So you're talking about things you, you're involved in off the field, but also like on the field, you say you had disciplinary problems. I know your hero was Julian Dix, who was a notorious sort of hard man. I mean, clearly, did you have issues both on and off the field with aggression as a young man? Most definitely, most definitely. Um, a lot of anger. Um, I think. I think where I was brought up again, it's no excuse. But where I was brought up, it was, it was sink or swim. You know, a lot of people from my area is either you, the way you got out was played football, boxed, or was a drug dealer, and that was probably what it was about. Um, but my, my, I was fortunate enough to be decent at football. Got me to so far, but I was, I was, I was running with people that were not footballers who live in real lives, getting up to stuff that probably we say classed as not not um not lawful anyway. And mm. and I quite like that buzz. And I think, yeah, my 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 the way I fronted things was to put on a front, to put on a show. I was aggressive, but I always say now that I was me but an extended version of me. Yeah. Big time. it was this flash, um big tip well, massive ego, but uh, being around Again, I felt West Ham was my club, so I just felt I could do what I want in the end, and and quite clearly I couldn't. Um, but yeah, that's basically what. So I were think. you like that even around the club, even when when you were in the first team circles, but you uh, weren't playing? Did you let your ego sort of run wild a bit, even though you know you were amongst these sort of big, mm. high profile pros? I think that I think that I uh, I weren't shy about the way I went about things. Definitely, I think right. there was an there was an incident. Um, I was training and Ian Pierce, who's who's six foot four, six foot five. Yeah. Uh, I was only seventeen, I think, at the time. And I was training with the first team and he went through one and one and I've 
I've just come out and absolutely cleaned him out, bang. Um, and he got up and he tried to grab him around the front throat. So I swung a punch at him. I thought, let's right. go. I thought I was in the street. Um, my first instinct was to let's let's go. This is brilliant. Let's have it. Mm. Um, and I yeah, and I think that was my ego ticking in because really, one, I shouldn't have done what I've done, but two, as I learned along the way, you just gotta hold your hands up sometimes. You've <laughs> I've I've sparked that instant off. And then felt that he was wrong for trying to grab me around the throat. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, 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 I definitely didn't take no shit, but it was to an extent where it was over the top, definitely. It was over the top. And a lot of friends I was knocking around with were the same. Um, mm. But the difference was they weren't professional footballers. Yeah, um, so you you were like hanging out. You were a bit of a tear away and you mm-hmm. hadn't been able to. But did, where did, I mean, you talk about it being like that when you grew up. Was, was there any fear involved in that sort of aggressive persona? Was it just. Yeah, I might be reading too much into it, but if you're from if you're from the streets and they're dangerous and they and they can be scary, and sometimes the only way you can deal with that is to sort of front it out. Well, definitely, definitely. I think, um, I think if yeah, I, 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 there was fear. There's probably fear deep down, but I didn't. But the way you cover up fear is to mask it and mask it mm. with anger, mask it with you got your friends around me, mask it with this. Um, no step back. You don't take a step back. Every fear steps forward. Um, so yeah, I think, I think growing up where I grew up wasn't, wasn't, in, it wasn't particularly. It was a. I loved my my upbringing. By the way, I want to make that clear. I love my upbringing. It, I, I grew up with a lot of people older than me, um, but yeah, it was it was sink or swim, and I genuinely thought that was the way you lived your life in it, in all aspects, whether it be on with your mates on the street or in professional football. It was all in. There was no holding back, front it out, and whatever will be, will be. Um, and I think that the easiest way for me to do that was with anger, was with frustration, was with not taking a step back. So let's talk about when you got released at 22. Mm-hmm. Yeah, re- relatively uh, old age to to get released by. Yeah. So, um and and obviously, this is all you'd known since you were 10 years old. You must have sort of made certain assumptions that this was going to end with you playing as a first-team player and, and continuing a career at that level. They let you go. I believe they didn't even speak to you directly when you when you were released. Mm-hmm. What what was the fallout from that? Uh, so, yeah, yeah they, they, I wasn't... I wasn't spoke face to face it was a phone call which again even to this day I feel is a bit disrespectful for someone who's been there for 12 years since a kid but it is what it is and I think I don't know if it goes on today I'm sure there's different ways but yeah but with with that come the first time I felt that I'd I'd failed at something and I and I really fucking struggled with it my my first go-to was um I got upset for the first time I I wasn't I've never really been a crier um, mm. Until the last few years, I've got to say. Um, but uh, I think the last, um, when it went when fine open, I got really upset. But then I went back to type and got angry about it. And my first thought was, fuck this, I'm off. And I remember um, I did have an agent at the time, but I didn't think nothing of it. And I just fucked off on a plane and just went and disappeared. Um, got, took a few friends out there. Obviously, I had a few quid. So took a few friends, went to... Greek islands and 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 done a done bits and pieces out there and a lot of drink um, drugs were involved straight away um, mm. and and I quite liked it I was I was the centre of attention again that kept my mind off what had happened yeah um, 
And I, can't, and I remember coming back, and probably this is the ego in me, that I come back, as a week before the season started, and I turned my phone on, I didn't have my phone on, and I just thought, after parents worrying where I was, no one knew who I was for, for nearly six weeks. Um, and I come back, and I turned my phone on thinking, someone had called. And, and funny enough, the phone weren't ringing. <laughs> it wasn't ringing. Mm. Um, and I remember, I thought, fucking hell, this, isn't, this ain't what I thought would happen. Um, and I ended up going, a week before the season started, I panicked and I say panicked. I signed for um, Billericay Town, which is, it was like a six-league drop. Yeah. Um, heard of to today. Um, but that was because I, the fuck it button was well and truly pressed. And I thought, to forget what happened, let's go. And mm. um, I think that's what happened in the end. And I, I masked it for them for, for at least a couple of months until reality of, you know, I'm, I'm a semi-pressure footballer now. I've mm. got to go and get a job. And that took, that took probably another six months to get me a Durand. Yeah. So the ego was suffering. You'd gone from it being very, very big and inflated to being pretty bruised, I suppose, when you start looking for a job that there must have been a long period in your life where you didn't think you'd have to do no. what you might call a civilian job. No, I, I never thought that would happen. I never thought that would happen. Um, it, that doesn't, it didn't cross my mind anyway. And I'm I'm sure if you speak to a lot of uh, youth team footballers, it wouldn't cross their mind over. Why would it? This is all you're doing. This, my mates were grafting after to leave school at 16 or wherever it is. They were grafting, whether they're on the tools, whether they're working on, mm. on sites, whether they're carpenters, whatever they're doing from 16. That's it. You get an apprenticeship, you go work. And I didn't have to do it. I skipped all that. I was playing football. And by the time I got to 21, 22, I was then six or seven years behind them people anyway. I didn't know where to go for a job. I didn't, I didn't know what I was, I, did, I, I didn't know what to, I didn't know where to turn. Um, and that that took that to be honest, Sam. That probably took me eight years to figure out. Eight or nine years. But it wasn't a case of oh, I'll get there. Yeah, it took me a long time to to find something. Um, and yeah, and only probably the last couple where I've really found a piece of it. So what what else was going on at the point at which you know what that what had happened to you hit home? <laughs> yeah. Um, what what was going on then in in terms of your lifestyle in terms of what was going on in your head? So um, there's a lot of violence at the time. I got arrested quite a lot. Probably in the first couple of years of after I got released, actually, it was probably more than ever. Um, I got I, I was on a GBH charge, which got dropped. Um, so there was a lot of violence and and fighting, and that all was surrounded because I was pissed all the time. I was drinking a lot. I, I, I drank look, I drank when I was 16, 17. I'd always had a beer. It it was just part of what happened. The bowling pub was around the corner from my ass, which was next to the Upton Park. My old yeah. man went in. I'd go in there on a Friday night. I wouldn't drink, but I'd be around these people, all these different characters. And even then, it gave me a little buzz. I loved it. I loved it. Um, playing pool with the boys and, say, boys, the, old, the dads and, and the older blokes. And, yeah, and I loved that. And I think... By the time I got released, you, I'm a semi-pro footballer. You train twice a week, so you have more time to do that. And there was more drink, and I was going out Sunday sessions and Saturday after games, and and then a little cheeky midweek Wednesday one. And it was all surrounded with drink and and drugs and and cocaine. Just 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 was prevalent. It was there. It was it yeah. was doing it. I'd done it before. I'd done it when I was younger. I'd, I'd already tried that, and I quite liked it. I remember. Um, that give me a that give me a buzz and and I think that 
I was, yeah, I think I, I tried that when I was younger, but it gave me more time, basically. Going into semi-professional football gave me more time to go out, and I was going out two, maybe three times a week. But that, I was getting in trouble. And it, when I ever had a dream, there was normally trouble at the end of it, or I would disappear for a couple of days. And that was early on in my t- early mid-20s that started kicking on, because I had more time on my hands, and I felt that, it's all right, I ain't got nothing to get up for tomorrow. Because mm. I wasn't really working properly still. So, yeah, it took me a long while to, to figure out that. A long time. And was there anyone in your life who was seeing the signs of, like, this mm. this pattern of behaviour and starting to, like, ring alarm bells? Yeah, definitely. I, I, I'm, my, my missus, who I'm with still to today, um, we got together when I was 20, just after I'd been released, actually, not long after. Um, so she missed out on the money. She's got it. There weren't much, but it's, yeah. And um and we we got together and and but we she was going out as well at the time we was, we it was it was um it was just the thing she, we we both went out sometimes together I got mates but over the years and we're still together say that's fifteen years ago mm. progressively she could it got worse and where she'd stop I carried on so she could still see that I'd disappear for a couple of days I'd persuade her it was okay. And then the week after would make up, and it was a bit like that for for a little while. Um, but even my friends, I mean, uh, who are who, who are drinkers and and go out and do what they got to do and and stuff like that, that they could see it with me. They, they, they'd say they'd say you'd never go home, or when you finish, when you're done. And I quite like that. I like the fact that I was that guy. I loved it. I, I loved it. The two-day boy was me. And I remember going to we'd watch boxing at six o'clock in the morning. If there was a late fight on, uh, going into Sunday. Then I'd find somewhere to go on a Sunday all day. And, and I quite like that, navigating my way to someone else's house I don't really know or into situations that I know I shouldn't really be in. And it give it, yeah, that, that I enjoyed that as well. Yeah, so you like that. taking things to extremes, basically. There was- yeah, without that, something. it was always extreme. It was never. If someone said to me, um, <laughs> "I'll go out for a couple," I'd get the ump of them. I yeah. would get the ump, and and I would. And I remember not talking to my mate for a little while because he left after a few beers, and I didn't speak to him for three weeks. And and, and we brought this up because I'm a best man at his wedding in a couple of weeks. So yeah. uh, it's fun. Yeah, yeah. It's that's, a good, that's a good one for the speech then, <laughs> isn't it? I didn't yeah. talk to him for three weeks because he only went. He went home after four. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, looking back, your approach to football and your life then, and then your approach afterwards. There's a lot of just, you know, and even talking about when you were a kid and and the way you had to operate, you know, as as a kid in the area you grew up in. Do you think you were just an extreme person? Do you do you look back and think that you were sort of born with these addict tendencies? I think so now. Yeah, I think so now. I think, I think I'll maybe possibly born with it, but also, um, if there was a, if there was an inch of a possibility of something happening, I would make that happen. So if there was someone who, if there was a, if there was a glitch, glitch in someone or something where there's a potential of a day out, a night out, or, Mm. or playing or, if we football, if it was an inch where I might win a tackle, I'm going for that tackle. Or if yeah. I'm doing, I'm all in. There's, there's, there was no half measures. Um, it was all in, and I think, yeah, I think, I think that definitely, uh, yeah, yeah, I would agree with that definitely. So, how bad did things eventually get? 
Uh, pretty bad. I mean, I mean, I've got to, so I'm 30, 37 now, and I've got to. As I got to thirty, I'd say my my first daughter was born. Um, and the old saying, people say, "Our oh, kids calm you down." Kids actually got me riled me up even more. So by this time, I'd have a few jobs, um, construction jobs, driving vans, bits and pieces. Um, I stopped playing football at 30. Um, I think that was because I can get another day at, another day drinking, to be honest with you. The Saturdays, I was missing my Saturdays. Mm. Um, and by that time, it got progressively worse. And I think by the time I was 30, I'd probably say I was an alcoholic at 30 um, because I was drinking almost four or five times a week um, with with thing, with untreated alcoholism, I say, because, uh, and disappear and, and do things that were not normal, basically, were not normal. And I think as my daughter come along, I remember her christening, um, which was a, her christening. I, I treated it as my mates, as a, as a party, as, as a party to get all my friends there and, and ended up drinking, um, too much and, and using uh, cocaine and, and, and that, and that was probably a moment that my missus fat caught me on the day, and and I was kicked out of the house for for weeks, right. and that progressively got worse. And by the time I got to this, it went on for a couple of years. I swayed her back and bits and pieces. And by the time I was thirty four, I was banging trouble. I was banging trouble. I was drinking every day. I'd lost jobs. I'd had no job at this time. I tried to run uh, the guy over who I worked for, nick the work van. I'd been on a session the night before, and I come in not fit to drive but I was driving the van and he called me out on it and I threatened him and I tried to run him over um, drove back to the house and the police come took the van back didn't press charges they just wanted the van back and I think I'd been on it for about a nearly a month every day drinking, using, drinking, using um, probably a day in there where I didn't and that was the, the worst day of my life at the time I, I just could not wait to get some money I was borrowing where I could borrow moving money around begging people doing bits and pieces um, to get money and I remember sitting there and uh, I was yeah about 28 I remember it was 28 days straight and I remember <laughs> I remember sitting there and I had uh, I wrote suicide note out I wrote suicide note out to my missus and I wrote suicide note out to my daughter who was four at the time and I ripped them out. I'll never forget writing them out. Well, I remember the letters. And uh, and I had a knife in my hand. And I thought, fuck this, um, that's it. Enough's enough. Uh, she'd move, uh, but, sorry, I got her out in. My missus moved out of my back with my child. Obviously, I was a danger. She thought I was a danger. Never ne- never physically, but the torture of don't know where I am and bits yeah. and pieces too much. Um, and I never, and I don't blame her, of course. Um, and yeah, and and I, and I tried, to, and, I, and I wanted to die. Basically, I wanted to die. I, I genuinely, genuinely, since they believe I wanted to die, um, and I cut myself a little bit. Um, and my missus' brother-in-law come in and sort of stopped. It was a, it stopped it basically. Um, by this point, I was yeah, I was banging trouble. Um, and my friends, my my missus told my two best mates, who were really worried about me anyway because I was sleeping in my car some days. I was not coming home. I was I was all over the place. And uh, they they contacted the PFA. Um, so they contacted the PFA who got in touch with Sporting Chance. And this is where it all probably started for me, my life changed, because that was a moment where I still didn't want to do it. I was so resistant to it. I told the fuck off on numerous times. I'm not yeah. bringing up Geezer. If he wants If he wants to help me, 
he's got to call me. He's got to call me. Like, um, and, uh, and, uh, and yeah, I got to a stage where that was, that was an option. And I never, I, I never knew that option. I didn't care. And I didn't want to, didn't want help. I didn't ask for it. I wanted to die. I genuinely wanted to die. Um, and yeah, and, and that's sort of where, I don't want to say it turned around, but, but began the wheels in motion of, of recovery really, because I ended up going into the sporting chance clinic, which, um, which is a 28, 28 day, 26 day, um, rehab center. So, yeah, that took me into there. When you when you went in there, I mean, you say you were resistant. How, how tough was it for, for them to convince you and finally get you over the line? Because, you know, I know how hard it is because yeah. we're always in denial and sort of almost like aggressively in denial when people start trying to tell you what to do. So how, mm-hmm. did, how did your loved ones manage <laughs> to get you there? Oh, um with big muscles and being strong, I um, I they they stayed at they stayed at my ass for the night night or two before to literally not let me out the ass and take hold my hand basically. Um, I, I wouldn't let him in the house first of all. Um, kicking and screaming. Uh, my missus obviously had moved out, so they 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 stayed here. My missus moved into her mum and dad's. That's how much she had to get away. Mm. Enough. Um. I was fucked, Sam. I was in such a bad way. I I, I can remember just just I, I'd put on those away. I was scruffy. I was just I was just lazing around. I was drinking. Drink was everywhere. If I had any money, I got myself in so much debt because then paid. I was just getting payday loan after payday loan after payday loan every single day. I spent all money I had just to feed my what I want. I wanted drink and I wanted drugs. I did not want to feel. I just const. This is every day, and. It's still scary to this day where I think if you told the <laughs> the 14, 15, 16-year-old in 20 years or whatever, it was not even that, 15 years, 16 years, that you would be training on the Upton Park for the, preparing for a first-team game, whether you're on a bench in the squad, whatever, mm. to sitting on a couch, overweight, airy, just completely fucked. Um, just wouldn't believe it. And 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 it was literally stayed, but I was so angry. Still, I was resistant. They stayed in the house. They they drove me to they drove me to Lip Hook, which is just near so Portsmouth. So it's a three hour jerk drive. Um, I was kicking the screen. I was not happy at all. Um, I did not want to go. And I remember I took. Um, I pulled up. They literally got the car. They they they. He's my my friend since time of the relief there was when they got me there was unbelievable because he'd had dreams that I'd killed myself numerous times the week before up to it. He was that worried about me. Um, and I got there and I never forget in there and, and I had a bag. I had no, I, all my clothes had gone up. I was borrowing clothes. I, I had nothing. Um, I didn't have a car, I sold the car. It was just a mess. And my friend got me to the front door and I remember one of the counsellors come out um, and and I had a bag of Aids and Harry Bows and chocolate and stuff like that. And he just stopped me. He said, you cannot take them in. I said, you can fuck off. I said, you what? And this is my exact words. I turned around, walked back to the car, said, take me the fuck home. They won't let me take my sweeties in. And I kept <laughs> saying And to this day, I, I, it's a story when I share and stuff. I always bring this up because it's, for me, it's a it's a big moment because I kept using the word sweeties, sweeties, yeah. take my sweeties off me. And it was so childlike. And I, <laughs> and, and I'll judge everyone else. Look at that fucking tosser over there. Look at that baby. Look at that. Always judging, yeah. judging, judging. When, <laughs> you look at yourself first, you know, and, and I couldn't, I couldn't do that. And, and, and they took them off me anyway and they fucking drove off and left me. Um, and I was stuck there and, and then the 
I just started, yeah, and I just went into the cot into the cottage where it was, and this got the ball rolling. Um, yeah, that's where that's how the journey started, really, and cracked on. And so you were introduced, presumably, to things like twelve steps. I mean, how yeah. long did it take for you to kind of be, I don't know, like engaged by that or won round by by that sort of thinking? Because it sounds like you probably weren't in a place where you were you were ready for that sort of stuff straight away. Um, I think the first the first week was fucking terrible. Um, I remember I had my birthday in there as well. And I just thought, fuck this. I was trying to find ways to kill myself every day. Wow. Still. And I remember the first few days, the first meet, first morning. So we got there and that day we slept. And I remember crying my eyes out the first night. But I was angry. I remember shaking. I was I was shaking. I was in I was in the small room. If anyone's ever been in Sporting Chance or heard of anyone, I was in the small room and and I was shaking. I was so angry. And I, I remember the next morning we got to, we sat around in a circle and they said, and before I started, I said, I'm just going to say something now. If anyone tries to make me cry, get upset, I'm going to throw you through the window. Right. And and I'm, I was so angry with everything. And still, I just couldn't, I don't know if this front is this, I still felt I was better than everyone else. I just felt mm. I shouldn't be there. What am I doing here? Why did I let them mugs drop me off? I just stayed where I was, um, and it took me, it took me, a, yeah, probably the first week. But I remember you go for, say, you go for the tall steps. You do, you do one, two, and set one, two, and three in there. But it was a lot of, a lot of classroom stuff, and we done exercise to run alongside it. And the main thing for me was structure. My structure got out the window. I didn't know what fucking day, what time was, whether it's the morning, night, afternoon. I'd miss days. I'd, I'd, I'd pass out for a few hours, wake up, and it. And then I felt it was Wednesday, but it was Monday. And it was just so chaotic. My life was just full of chaos. Um, and here, give me structure. It gave me, right, 7 o'clock in the morning, you're up. Fucking hell, 7 o'clock. Till 8 o'clock, you're doing gym. 8 till 9, you're doing your prayer and meditation. 9 till 3, and, and we're doing uh, group work. And I remember that we'd done a thing called art therapy in there. And this and this is probably the moment that clicked for me. And the moment that clicked for me, it was we had to write uh, – a song and someone that it meant 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 who specifically it meant to in your life that song and I remember it's a few days in probably about a week in now I didn't cry I was really strong really hard me I didn't cry well done I um I sat there and I was drawing a picture I've written my daughter and I met my girlfriend Temptations and mm. played the song and fucking hell it done me it, it gets me emotional now actually because I was so it was probably a it was a very key moment in in my recovery um, because. It's something just because I said I cared about my missus and my daughter. And of course, I care about them. Of course, I love them. But I choose drink the drugs over them every day of the week at the time. Every day of the week, mm. twice on Sunday. But I loved them so. But I just I had this illness which I didn't know about, and 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 I was finally in a place where it was to speak about it was was the right place to speak about it. And and I and I was just written down. I was just bored. I couldn't. I, I didn't cry like in years. I was shaking, bawling. My I was proper crying and. I, I, I couldn't believe that it took me to that, and and, and then that pissed me off after about an hour. Cause I thought I can't believe I've cried like that, and and all the emotions again. But it was a, it was after that first week and that moment. The next three weeks, I did I loved. I, I, it gave me structure, it gave me all the tools and and all the other stuff. But it gave me give me hope. The yeah. main thing I was fucked. I was on my. It was like my someone had cut my legs off. I was just gone. I was. I, I didn't care either, but I actually cared now. I cared about what I didn't understand was 
And they kept saying to me, why have you come in? And I said, well, I just want to see my missus and daughter. I just want to see them back in my life. I just want to see them. That, that's all I want to do. And they said, well, what about you? Like, you're going to sort, if you're fucked and if you're not, if you're not well, how can you be of any help to these people that you love and care for? And, mm. and these little things that I'm saying now that were told to me mm. really made, really, really, really clicked and just something worked. And I've done the work, mate. I just cracked on and, and, three more weeks after that and I didn't want to leave in the end I was fucking I was only yeah. to hang myself to the to the bed I didn't want to leave I was That's so amazing it really it meant so, I did not want to leave that place and I said to the guy can I just stay in that shed there please just let me stay because I need to know more I need to know what this is about I'm mm. feeling something here and what what is fucking going on it took me 30 nearly 35 years to get to oh, I was 35 in there so yeah um what is this play? What is this all about? This AA, this AA thing is amazing. We went to meetings and stuff. And I remember going to my first meeting in there, Sam, and they took us to an outside meeting. It was during COVID as well, so it was all a bit um, restricted, but we got to go to a meeting, a live meeting. <laughs> and it took me three weeks. It showed where my head was at. It took me three weeks to realise. I remember turning around with the guy who used to take us there. Um, and he's, and there was a massive church, um, massive sorry, castle, Huge it was, just next to it, literally next door to it. And it took me three weeks to notice this church at uh, this castle. It's fucking massive, and it just showed that I was so just just going through the motion. Finally, something clicked, and I was like, I could see everything. I could fucking hear everything. I could, yeah. I could smell things. All this, all this stuff. It sounds so cliche. It's so true. Just all these things come back. Because yeah. um, at, at one point, or for a long time, it was just if you get any sleep, well done. Probably get none. Drink, use, fucking get stumble through the day, rob some money, do this, do that. Um, yeah, so that that was where it took me. And I say, when I wanted to leave, I didn't want to leave the place, but um, that's where it all started for me, really. And, it's an absolutely amazing story, that mate. To to have I've I've rarely heard such two extremes, like for the way you were going in, and mm. how you were by the end. I mean, it's a massive testament, not just to you, but to what they do. Amazing. sporting chance and i think anyone listening who's got any doubts about 12-step recovery or just entering mm. into any sort of like help yeah. because you can feel pretty angry you think your ego takes over you think oh that's not for me that's for other people but yeah. you know i don't need it or i'm smarter than that or i'm stronger mm. than that yeah but i think your story is really like you know Look at the. I mean, for you to be go from like not wanting to go in to begging to stay in, in a relatively short period of time is just incredible, mate. Um, yeah. What? Uh, uh, how many years ago was that then that you uh, first went there? Yeah, I'm. I'm. Um, I've been sober two two years, two months. So yeah, so two years, two months. Been right. sober. So, so I come out in. I think it was August 2020. I went in, um, and yeah, and I come out and then just started doing all the meetings and bits and pieces. And and look, that was probably just. Although sporting chance, the, the other thing you saw before I carry on, the other thing you said about when people say it's not for me and stuff like that, the lot of thing that puts people off, especially in um, AAs, they they think it's a religious thing and they think yeah. and it's a spiritual thing. Genuinely, is I've I, I, if someone told me I got I would get on my knees and pray, yeah, to some to my higher power, whatever it's not yeah. going to it, I'll push it on people, but pray or whatever I do, or it's not to it's not a religious cult. It's not it's it's just spirit that I feel content. Uh, meditation helps me as well, um, but all these things—it's just—it's a spiritual thing. I think I think the religious side puts people off because you're here with God and, and bits and pieces. Yeah. That can, but 
if you want to run religion with that, brilliant. I think I think um, there's a place for both of it. But I think that does put people off. But yeah, I'm I'm two years, two years, two months, and and so much. But the thing with that is, Sam, fucking so much is happening. The two years, more is happening in two years than in my last fifteen years of my life. Yeah. Apart from daughter, I've had another daughter who's three months old now. Oh, so, congratulations, mate. It, um, yeah, thank you very much. Cheers. It's um, again a joy of recovery. Paint in the bedroom, joy of recovery, Sam. All the paint Lovely. I'm Lovely. loving it. Um, but yeah, it, um, I've done so much in the last two years that was weren't possible. But it just wasn't possible. I'm, a, I'm an uncle firefighter where I live. I've been doing that for 18 months now, which I fucking love. Mm. Um, I want to become a whole time firefighter. That's my next thing in life that I potentially could do. I run my own sports academy. I'm doing things that just weren't possible. It opens up so much time and energy to, <laughs> to do to do things. It's unbelievable. And to begin with, you don't even know what to do with it, do you? That's it. I think I think I heard your podcast with the street secret drug addict that we yeah. all love, but um yeah. and I think, I think we might have touched on it then. It was the um it was the time because you have got so much time. Yeah. Uh, and at the start, that's nervy because you think, what the fuck I'm gonna do with this time? I'd normally be pissed or going to the pub or planning where I'm meeting someone. Or yeah. it's, it, it balances out and I'm finding just just good things are coming. And, and look, I'll make it clear, there's a lot of shit that still happens, but it's just dealing with it in a completely different way. Um, yeah. Bad things happen still. Shit happens. People die. I've, I've had a couple of friends die, and um, whether they're in recovery or not, I've had just shit. I crashed my car the other day and just mm. stuff happens. But I don't think, right, the first thing I'm going to do is go and kill him, kill, run away, burn that down. Um, yeah. I'm putting the fires out now, which is mad. So I'm putting it down. I'm, I'm thinking about things. I'm, I'm thinking of others and stuff like that. So there is there is another way to do it, and I've found that. And uh, that's basically where I'm at, mate. It took a long time. It took me 37 years to get to here, and it's been tough, and it still is sometimes, but it's it's a beautiful thing now, mate. Things good. Well, it's a beautiful story, mate, and it's genuinely so inspirational. And, you, I mean, it's just incredible what you've done. And I think anyone listening to this as well will understand a lot of the things that set you down that path as well, particularly, you know, your experience in football. You know, it, it's a tough story and it is a bloody tough thing to get through, you know, what, what happened to you with your boyhood club. Yeah. And, and I just think, you know, the way you speak about the impact that it's all had on you and the turnaround it's had on your personality, you should be an inspiration for anyone. And and it's such a it's a beautiful thing as well that now, you know, you've got you've got this new daughter and and you know, testament to your missus as well, because she's that's true love, because she stuck with you through through hell by the sounds of things and was still waiting at the other end when you got yourself sorted. Yeah, yeah. It's um it's it's that's the thing you you think that's the thing you don't think about. You don't think about you. All you do is care about yourself. So you're not thinking of others, mm. whether that's intentional or not. You don't think about it, and you don't think about what they've had to go through. And um, you just don't think about it, especially when you're in the midst of of, of the illness of of addiction. It's fucking just just you, 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 you become yeah. self. You just become selfish, um, even if you don't think you are. You are. Um, but yeah, she's an amazing woman. And and listen, along that way, there was good time. Also, was we had fun, but. In the end, I I I I wasn't able to continue in that that way, and and she and I'm sh- she's a lot happier the way I am today. I'm the designated driver nowadays, Sam. That's which great. Is- That's a great feeling as well, isn't it? When you're the guy who goes out, I I still get a buzz from that. That like. <laughs> 
if my daughter is a teenager, she'll call up on a Friday and go, can you pick me and my mates up? And I know I'm the only parent around who's going to be a, who's going to be sober on a Friday night at midnight. And I, I'll get a buzz from that. <laughs> yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, yeah, I've got two of them now, so, so that'll be happening in the next few years as well. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, like, like it's just it's just an amazing thing. It's fucking unbelievable. It's incredible. It's, it is a miracle um, because, really, I shouldn't be here, really, Sam. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's a miracle. Um, but what a miracle because it's changed my life. And, and yeah, if you, and, and I hope some people does take some from this because... I may not be the, the the thing. The thing is, I'm not. I'm not the. the st- I love when people like Tyson Fury come out. I love when people like Paddy Pimlet talk about. It's all good, but I'm just a normal geezer who played a bit of football, then fell out. So it, just, it happens to everyone. It happens to everyone. Um, or not everyone. It can happen to anyone. Sorry, it can happen to anyone. And I think once your life becomes out of control and you can't carry on functioning in a proper way seek help because there are some fucking great people out there great charities there's some great people to speak to there are there's loads of people but the first thing you have to do is be open and if you can do that it sets you on the way mate I really genuinely believe that and I hope someone takes something from this because this has been amazing for me but I hope someone does because my life has changed fucking unbelievably unbelievably well, I think you speak about it really powerfully, mate, and really beautifully. And and I think, you know, sharing your story like this is a, a, a brilliant thing, hopefully for you. But I, I'm certainly for me, you've inspired me. And I think, you know, hopefully people listening too. So uh, uh, thank you so much, mate. It's a privilege to hear your story and, and it's a delight to meet you. And, uh, you know, I just wish you all the best and massive congratulations on everything you've achieved. Thank you very much, Sam. Thanks for having me on, mate. Really appreciate it. There you go, Darren Blewett, a man who shows us that anyone can turn their life around if they're prepared to accept help and be open-minded about it. I wish him all the best. Thanks for listening as always, gang. If you like the reset, why not subscribe at samdelaney.substat.com. You can follow me on Instagram at the Reset Sam or on Twitter at Delaney Man. Until next time, gang, be lucky and don't let the dickheads get you down. <laughs>